Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Why God won't baby you forever. Exodus chapter 14, and why God won't baby you forever. This is part four, technically, of how God works. God speaks to me in really unusual places. Anyone like that? You would think that um, the religious mindset thinks that God can only speak in t- like old traditional like churches and buildings and... You know, he's stuffy and God's kind of 1950s style, stained glass, Stoke Library-esque. No offense if you like it or work there. (laughs) Um, But God is not like that, not so. I recall God speaking to me when we were at a Bee Gees concert in 1998, me and Rebecca. It's when they were all still alive. That's actually interesting, fascinating, because, you know, you can tell you're getting older when you start saying stuff like that. And, uh, but we were at that concert, and I remember looking over 44,000 people and thinking, you know, this is what I think church should look like. This is what New Zealand should look like. I remember that being in my spirit. <clears throat> God speaks to me when I'm mowing the lawns. God speaks to me when I'm hanging the washing. That's once a year. And um, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> it's once every two years. Um, God speaks to me at the gym. God speaks to me as well at supermarkets. And that's where I heard the statement last year. And it got into my spirit so strong that I don't know, there might be 10 parts to it. I heard at a supermarket a person say to another person, something like, it wasn't exactly, but I'm going to paraphrase. You know, St. Vincent Street was closed, but it was so amazing. Vanguard Street was open, so I got to my appointment on time. God works in mysterious ways. (laughs) And it was like, as soon as I heard the statement, God works in mysterious ways, like the Lord began to speak to me in that place because I've read the Bible. I know a lot of you have. It's not in there. That saying is not in there. There's a lot of books to the Bible, a lot of verses to the Bible, and never once does it say that God works. And, and, and people just love, they're living such a low level of, of God life, a Christian life, that it's like, what, you got somewhere where the map said it would be 15 minutes and it was 12 and you saved two minutes, so now you accredit that but nothing else to God. It's like the lowest level. The lo- and, that, and that is what has begun to happen in our culture. God does not work in mysterious ways. You might not understand exactly how God works. It might go beyond your logical mind. But Isaiah 59 says that the arm of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save you. In Jeremiah 33, verse 3, it says, Call unto me, cry unto me, and I will show you great and unsearchable things. That's, it doesn't say God works in mysterious ways. It says that. Psalm 121 says, I look to the heavens, I lift my eyes, for where does my help come from? It says that my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I want you to hear this. You're not going to hear it anywhere else this week. You ready? God wants to help you. <laughs> God, wants, God wants and desires to bless you. 
He wants to do things in your life that work out. Romans 8 says that all things work together for good for those who love Him and are called according to it. So don't give me God works in mysterious ways where you didn't get a parking ticket and your parking had expired, but you were parked in Richmond. Come on. (laughs) Don't give me that. You give me that. There are the promises. And to understand, you've got to understand that to understand how God wants to help you and how God wants to work in your life. Moses, Exodus 14, he was about to find out. God was leading out around 3 million people 400 years on from a slavery in Egypt. There was only 70 Israelites that went in and they became 3 million because God so prospered them. Far out, that's amazing. It's just a reminder that God can do something with very little in your life. God can do the remarkable. God wants to, God wants to increase you this year. Okay, four people. Okay, God wants to bless you. That's what he wants to do. Well, part of the blessing was to leave that comfortable place that they knew in Egypt and slavery. And so that was tricky. That was a faith step. And so they begin to go and Moses is raised up as a leader. And suddenly, out of nowhere, I'm going to read it to you in verse 10. When Pharaoh heard that they were leaving and left, he changed his mind and agreed to let them go. And as he approached, the Israelites looked up and there were Egyptians marching after them that all left Egypt and they were walking towards where God had told them to go. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Hey, had we run out of graves in Egypt that you brought us here to the desert to die? So that's the tone. They can see nothing good. Like Rebecca talked about, a real expectation of nothing much good happening. And a lot of people live with that. What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Verse 12. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, come on, leave us alone. We can just serve the Egyptians. We've got what we need. It was a real battle and a fight to contend for the things that God wanted to do for them. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, look, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord. You, he will bring you today. The Egyptians will see today. You will never see that you see today. You will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. And most people, that's the end of the verse that they quote. But there was a next part which carries on. And it's a real mind bender. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses. So Moses has said to them, God's going to sort it. Be still. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to just wait on him. And God says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Remember, they're on the edge of a sea. They've got an army coming after them. It's, it's, it's life or death. And God goes, tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch your hand over the sea to divide the water so that Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Why are you crying out to me? Stretch out your hand. Raise your staff. I will then, so that's what he was to do. Then God says, look, here's what I'll do. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. So they're going to run through the sea that's going to be split. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army. In other words, this bad thing that's coming after you, God says, I'm going to use it. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. I will gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord, who had been traveling in front of the army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them, accompanying them, uh, coming between them, the armies of Egypt and Israel. Through the night, 
the cloud broke the darkness to one side and the light to the other. So neither went near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. That night, the Lord drove back the sea. The Lord did with a strong east wind and turned it to dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and their left. Okay, big answer, big help. Not a, it's a mystery sea being parted, but God made it very, very clear. And, and that answer in verse 15 would surprise a lot of Christians. They would not be able to handle it very well. When the Lord says to me, why are you crying out to me? And you would say, because they told me I should cry out to you. And you're, you're correct. But there's been a lot of conversation up until this point where God had put a staff in his hand and done some miracles through him. And now the Lord says to him, look, we've been over this. We've covered this ground. I told you I would have your back. How many things has God told believers today? And it's just like they go over and over and over the foundational things. And it's like, no, God's like, hey, why, why are you crying out to me? Here's what I'll do. Only God can part the sea. Only God can save the day. But why don't you tell the people to move forward and you lift up your staff? You stretch out your hand. God's saying, hey, I need you to respond. I need you to use what I gave you. Then you will see me move. This is how God works. In Matthew chapter 8, there's a passage of Scripture that is kind of tonally really similar. They've been out, um, Jesus doing the work and ministering, and he got into a boat with his disciples. It's kind of the end of the day. Without warning, a furious storm came up, and the waves swept over the boat. And that's If you're a boatie, waves over the boat. It's not a good boating scenario. Water outside boat. Keep water out of in boat. And they... They, they're freaking out. But listen to this. But Jesus, he was sleeping. Seems very um, chill, Jesus, doesn't he? He's asleep. The disciple, and this is people's Christianity. A lot of people, would, this would be their theology. This would be their understanding. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Jesus, save us. We're going to drown. Probably technically correct. Probably fully like, going to happen in their minds and looking at the signs. He replies, he's awake now, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it's completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. Again, classic God working. Yes, we call on Jesus. I would probably make that a daily habit more than like a crisis habit. I'd probably start your day just going, hey, Lord, so thanks so much for today. You're awesome. Just first thing on your mind. But he's not happy. And you can tell why. He was, I hate being woken up from an afternoon sleep. It's the worst thing ever. Jesus is fully God and fully man. So he has the fruits of the Spirit, but he's also probably like, oh, I was having a great sleep. And the disciples think this is the right thing to do. But Jesus uses the moment to say this. Your faith is too low. 
In other words, read between the lines. I'm just look, I'm observing the verse, and you can as well. He expected them to be able to deal with this. Mm. He fully expected. If 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 um, that wasn't the case, then he wouldn't have said. He would have said to them, "Guys, thanks for waking me up. You nearly died. I nearly died early. I meant to die on a cross, but I was going to drown." And, you know, that's a big deal. We don't want the Messiah dying before the cross. So, guys, you did the right thing. But instead, instead he's saying, no, not the right thing. Now, he's, he, God, God is amazing. He is benevolently, incredibly fatherly. Because he's like, all right, I'll sort it. Wind and waves, be still. And it was. And it was. But there's still a moment to talk about your faith. And you see, faith actually needs a revisit. You, the answer is you of little faith. A lot of people in this room have probably understood faith as being belief. And that is right. You know, have a little faith in me. I mean, Joe Cocker is sort of the, the great teacher of faith. And you, they started Apple because they had faith they could, the product could be amazing. And, but that's not, belief is just the starting point of faith. Hebrews 11, remember Jesus said, your little faith. Hebrews 11 says this, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. So it's going, God's wanting us to go beyond natural realm, natural things. In the Amplified, we've got it here on the screen. Look at this. Now faith is the assurance, like a title deed, a confirmation. So that feeling of certainty and persuasion of the things hoped for, divinely guaranteed from God's Word, and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, you're asking for His help. You need it. God does not work by mysterious ways. You need Him to work in your life or in your situation or your dream or whatever, the calling He has on your life. It becomes a conviction of your reality, your faith, your feeling of certainty in God comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by just the physical senses. And that's why God says to people, you should lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Because you have such an assurance that what God says is possible is possible and then you see it. Ruby had um, a flat foot or two flat feet or how many flat feet? Or one foot without an arch? Three flat feet. Okay, so we were, we were in New Plymouth. I was preaching at a youth conference and I took her with me on the trip and we were praying, praying for people. The Bible says to do that. So things not seen. And then anyway, so anyway, I go, oh, um, what, did I have a word of knowledge or did I just say, hey, we need to pray for something? And you said, oh, I've got flat feet. Did you say that? Mm. How, how old were you on that trip? Oh, primary school age. Primary school age, okay. And anyway, I, I, suddenly I hear her go, um, Jesus has healed me. And I'm like thinking, this is Ruby, I'm thinking, what of? Because I didn't know she was unwell. She goes, I've got a flat, flat feet. No, well, arches, I don't think... They're not flat as some other people have flat feet. What the heck? Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Anyway, I, so then she goes, no, seriously, look, and she has fully formed arches. And then I repented because I didn't know she had flat feet. But second of all, so was not a way, believing God can do something, now you can see it is way. Now I'll read you one more version in Hebrews 11, 1. Watch this. If... Um, the we is actually not the word we, that is the translation. That's actually the word of God edition. So just excuse the we before the if. If, if people believe God, they know, 
they have the things they hope to get. I, I want you to work out what, where your faith is at today. If people believe God, then they know they have the things that they hope to get. Amen. <laughs> it is the proof of things do not see. Now, I want to go a step further because I think that mental faith has become like a tag in Christianity. I'm a Christian, so I believe God exists. Well, you know, the Bible says that you, you must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So he's a rewarder of people. That's what, that's what the Bible says is faith. Look at James, James chapter 2 for next level faith in verse 14. And this is where it's really going to hit, I hope. James chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have that faith but has no deeds? So you're about to find out a Bible definition of faith that I pray gets under your skin. Can you have faith like that that will save you? Can it save them? Next slide. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. So you've got someone in your world you know. Next. But if one of you says to them, hey, I, I hope everything's going to work out for you. This is this language. It's all going to be okay, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? Now, James goes and says, it's the same. Faith belief by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it's dead. That means a lot of Christians have dead faith. They've got faith, but there is no actual step of outcome. This is what I want you to get today. This is what I'm really hoping will get under your skin. Moses had belief, but for the miracle to happen, he needed action. What's, what's the word? Activation. Yeah, it doesn't matter that you believe God is all-powerful. That's good. Your faith is action and belief. This is where most people get stuck and they don't advance in their Christianity. They stop growing because we're cool with a faith that's a mental idea, but when it's actually got to be acted on, and this is why God will stop babying you at certain points in your life. It's where God will want you to go from the milk of his word, think of it like a, a mother, a parent, providing the food, providing the sustenance, to what the scripture says is the meat of God's word. He will take you, he will wean you off um, cultural Christianity to get you to work out if you can actually believe his word, believe this book, see it come to pass. And this is why he stopped babying Moses, because he was with Moses. He had given him the power. He had given him a staff. He's with you. If you have the Spirit of God alive in you, he might just say to you sometimes, why are you crying out to me? Lift up your staff. Come on, go and pray for that person. Share your faith. Come on, sow a seed. Do something now. We've got, we've got to... Understand, understand it. When, when our kids, I'll use another child. There's so many of them to give examples. There's just oodles of them. Saskia here, she is, how old Saskia? 
And so she's, um, she's growing up and she's born. She's like this little bundle of joy. When, we, when, we, when she was born, we had no expectation at that point. You know, if you're a baby Christian, you're just coming to know the things of God. He saves you. He loves you. Shame dissolves in His presence. You give Him, his, you give him your yes and He comes in and He will baby you. He will actually nurture you lovingly and kindly. But there was a point where that little baby, it was time to walk. And Rebecca and I, by the way, this child-based parenting is hell-based parenting. Well, are you guys here? It's a long weekend, I know. Child-centered parenting is gonna get some teenagers into trouble. I can tell you that. No? Okay, I've got five kids. I know what I'm talking about, don't worry. You know, they, what they need. They tell me by their, their, um, their feedback. I, I do, no, no, no. The Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. The government did away with smacking, but you can still discipline them without physical hurt. It's okay. It's okay if that, what am I onto here? I heard some people want to clap if you really believe it. I just got stupid. Thank you, amen. Saskia, come to daddy. And you know, that's weird. But anyway, here's Saskia. Saskia, do you want to come up and do an illustration? Come on, jump up real quick. I'm running out of time. Quick, 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 quick. Come up here, sweetheart. Come and stand. Hi, you can call me dad. Okay, you stand here, stand here. Now, there, when she was a little baby, learning to walk. Come on, Saskia. And you'd see every dad. Come on, come on. Drawing another step out. Drawing another step. Drawing. How weird. Come on, Saskia. Come on, come, come on. Take another. Woo. Come on. It's, you know, this um, poem, Footprints. It's an awesome poem, you know. I, looked, I was walking on the beach saying, God, where are you? God, I'm going through this difficult need. And he looked back to me and he said, the reason you only see one set of footprints in the sand is because I was carrying you. Look. Sorry, I'll try that again. Look. There's only a few percent of your Christian walk where you're gonna need the footprints. God does not wake up every day and go, come on, jump on. You piggyback, you wanna do that? Oh, Wow. Come on, Lord, I need, Lord, I've got trouble. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stay there, we're still doing that, it's all good. We've got a a footprints theology when God, you think it's His absence, but it is God's love to activate something greater in you so that you can come up to the Red Sea in your life and you can not even doubt You've got the Word of God so in your heart that you'll say to this mountain, be lifted up, thrown into the sea. You'll raise your staff and you will see God work. And so this kind of thing here, God's over here and you see it as absence. It is development. Amen. I'm amening for you. It is God's training and active. It's time in 2024 to go to another level of your faith. And I'm talking about activation and action. Actually getting out of the doldrums, getting out of this, you cannot, oh man, you cannot advance by owning a victim mentality. 
at some point you have to lay down the victimhood at the cross and say with Paul, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. My, come on, walk. My Lord. Oh, look, she's taking steps. Wow, come on, run or jog. Yep, or just step. Yep, that's fine. And off you go to your seat. Good job. You are awesome. And God will stop babying you at times in your life. I, I, I know that it sounds like a Christianity we don't want to embrace. We don't want to, we don't want to go with. But listen, look, the woman with the issue of blood, here's Jesus heals. She says to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Then she does what? She gets on Facebook and posts, why hasn't God answered me yet? She gets out of her house with the last little bit of energy she has left. Same with the widow, with Elijah and Elisha, or one of the prophets, and pours out the oil, the last little piece. It's activation. Can I hear you say amen? God said to Gideon, go in the strength that you do have. Well, the conversation before was, I'm so... I'm of the least of the least, God. I can't do this. Nothing good's gonna happen. God, you're not working. And God's word to him is go. And as he goes, strength comes into his life. He becomes a different kind of person. Jeremiah 29, 11, for all the youth group bees of 1990s. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. What am I so angry about today? And not, I'm, I'm angry about God ripping off God's People, the devil, ripping God's people off. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Can I play? I wish the youth pastors, which was us, had quoted verse five. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat from what you produce, marry, have lots of children, increase in number and do not decrease. The plans I have for you require activation. Build a people, they were in exile. Build a kingdom of God in this place that you think. And there's so many people running around in fear. There's so many people with warped theology and they just have done nothing. And yet God wants to use them. There's got to be God's Word and activating the Word. God's Word, activating the Word. That is how God works. Raise your staff. Just imagine this sounding really loving. It's time to grow up. It's time to step up. It's time to watch the Lord, what He can do when He says to you, why are you crying out to me? You know what to do. You know what to do. Those of you brand new to faith, you do not know what to do. And that's why you need to get into the Word. Why you need to go online and see all those videos. You need to devour it, devour it, devour it. There's something better than Andrew Tate, something better than Jordan Peterson. There's something better than all of that. It's the Word of God and it will train you, it will correct you, it will improve you. It will build your spirit so your spirit is large, help you how to raise kids, help you how to know how to break through in finance or help you know how to be a good employee, a great employee. There is no topic that it does not cover. The Word of God is relevant, relevant. But for those of you who know, you know what to do. Let me ask you, what are you putting off? What have you been avoiding? Why? Come on. This is why God 
stop babying them. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.